Harold, one day I want to read the bulletin. <laughs> you would think I would look at it more often than I do. Half the time I don't know what's in there. That's confession for you. We invite you this morning to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Um, recall P- Paul wrote this letter from prison. And he was in prison with an uncertain future, not sure if he'd ever get out, not sure what would happen to him, not sure how long he would live, for that matter. But he chose a pathway of joy. One of the words that is repeated again and again and again in the book of Philippians is some form of the word joy, whether it's joy or rejoice. I think it's 16 or 18 times within the span of this little book And Paul made a choice in life. He says, I will live a life of joy no matter what comes my way. I think that's a great way to live, a real life. And we get to Philippians chapter 2, and we find Paul writing to them at Philippi, a church that really had few conflicts, that had few problems, and for the most part had a pretty healthy ministry uh, in their region. But Paul also knew how easy faithfulness could become unfaithfulness, how being committed could become uncommitted, how quickly it can happen, even for those who are serving the Lord. And he knows that following Jesus, if we're not careful, can become a routine. And so he takes uh, what is most likely an ancient hymn and weaves it together with words of his own and encourages the church at Philippi, and I think us as well, to live as Jesus lived. Now, what does he mean by that? He speaks into the lives of a people whom he wanted desperately to remain faithful to the gospel. And so what he does is he points them back to the only one, the only person who can make a difference in their life. Who is that? Jesus. For while there are thousands of different places to look for inspiration in life, the only one that really matters is Jesus. And so I think within these verses, he gives that church four things, and I want you to see these four things, that if they would find central in their lives, Jesus would be in the middle of everything they do, and their life would continue the direction that God wanted it to go. So the first thing I want you to notice is right there in verses 1 and 2, where we find unity by knowing Jesus. We find unity by knowing Jesus. Now, he's writing to a church that doesn't have serious issues, serious problems, serious division. So he's not writing to them to say you need to find unity. He's writing to them to say you need to keep that unity. You need to remain in that unity. Look what he says in verses 1 and 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. How? By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He begins by calling them, really reminding them, that the road to joy and peace is found by walking together and not in opposition to each other. And that's found by knowing Jesus. The way you find unity in life, the way you find unity in the Christian experience is by knowing Jesus. If they were going to be effective in service to the king and to his kingdom, they would have to have common ground in Jesus. Now you're going... Isn't that easy? Oh, no. 
Let me remind you, the church at Philippi is probably not unlike the church, say, at New Boston. And you go, how? Because these folks came from a variety of different backgrounds. They had a variety of different experiences. They had a variety of different wealth levels. You had some who in the church at Philippi who were really wealthy. Those ladies who were involved in the Lydia class, Lydia was a founding member of the church at Philippi. She was a dealer in purple. You're going, that doesn't sound very lucrative to me. In the ancient world, it was. She was a rich chick, okay? Hello? She did well. But you also had the guy who was the jailer at the local Roman jail who was involved in the church, him and his family. They were not respected members of the society. They were part of the church. Sounds like our church. We have some who are wealthy. We have some who are somewhere in between. We have some who are poor. We have some who are young. We have some who are, well, not. Right? Diversity. So how do you find a common ground in all of that? It's not going to be found on your wealth level. It's not going to be found on your educational level. It's not going to be found on your experience level. It's not going to be found on anything except Jesus. That's what he's trying to tell the church at Philippi, and that is what I want you to hear today. If they were going to move forward the most effective way they could, it would be as they knew Jesus, as they got to know Christ, and they followed him. Because in Christ they could find the same mind. They could find the same love. They could find a full accord. They could be of one mind, as he says there in verse 2. He says, you can do this, but it takes committing your life to Christ. And that leads me to this thought. Without a serious commitment to Jesus, church unity is always going to be elusive. Always going to be elusive. You go, what do you mean? Aren't we committed to Jesus? When we all get to heaven. Maybe we will be then, but let me tell you what, we struggle with it now, don't we? We struggle with that commitment to Christ. We can struggle with staying focused on him. One of the big issues that Paul seemed to have a great interest in, not just at Philippi, but at other churches as well that he helped plant, was the issue of church unity because they needed to be the ones who would show Christ to the world in which they lived. Now, maybe it's because they were an overwhelming minority in the culture, or maybe it's because Paul knew how easily disunity can creep in because you have such a diverse group of people coming together. But whatever the reason, his desire for local congregation is this, find a blessed unity in Jesus. Because in Jesus, that's where we can walk together. But how does a a body of believers discover that and maintain it? You know, oftentimes we'll say, well, if we had this great program we could focus on, that'd be good. If we had this great ministry could be our identifier, who we are. I, I can't find that in Scripture. There's nothing wrong with those things. What Paul says is they need to have the same mind. But he's not calling for a uniformity of thought. He's not saying we all need to agree on all the same politics and all the same social issues and all the same positions on everything. He's not saying we need that. What he's saying is it's a, an attitude of mind. In fact, the Greek word uh, translated here is the idea of a same attitude of mind. Now, you know, what do you, an attitude. It's that we want Jesus to be first in everything whether we come from this position or that position or for the other positions. This is found as the members of a local congregation have hearts and souls that beat together, not on the same issues of life, but on the same focus of life, which is who? Jesus. It's all about him. 
That doesn't mean we denigrate our talents, not at all. It doesn't mean we ignore our gifts, not at all. It doesn't mean we ignore our callings, not at all. Rather, it's a coming together under the lordship of the King Jesus in order to form a coherent fellowship that says we're here to be lifting up the name of Jesus. And we'll get to that in just a moment as he gets to the end of this section. Now, over in the letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul phrases it this way. He says, from him, and the implied there is Jesus, from Jesus... The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its its work. Now, Paul, if you, if you read some, any of Paul's writing, you come across this imagery he loves of the body. Because really we are a body. Some are arms, some are legs, some are toes, some are belly buttons, you know, whatever. But the reality is we're all part of the same body. And without each part, we can't effectively function as the body of Christ. Some are more visible and some are, well, you don't want to look at. Some are toes, you know. Ugh. What he's saying is by walking together with a commitment to Jesus, now the church can find unity and can make a difference in the world. He says, I want the church at Philippi to do that. I want the church at New Boston to do that. I want us to be that kind of church, don't you? Second, we find unity in knowing Jesus, but second, we find blessings by emulating Jesus. Look at verse 3 and 4. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, the second Paul thing Paul wants the church at Philippi to find as they follow Jesus is this, great blessings. Hey, any of you want great blessings? I'm ready. I'm, a, I'm all in on that, right? Let's get, let's get that. Let's go for that. These li- blessings are found by emulating Jesus. Now, that's not a word we use very often in, in, in life, do we? I'll say, I'm going to emulate somebody. But can I tell you something? We all do it whether we talk about it or not. So does that mean I have to become a carpenter? I have to reject marriage? I have to travel around performing miracles, turning water into wine, walking on the Sea of Galilee? Do I got to do all that stuff so I can be like Jesus? I don't think so. Instead, I would like to propose to you that we find a summary of who Jesus is. This is who Jesus ultimately is, is about. It's to this, to serve others. His life was focused on making a difference where? in other people's lives, to serve others. He humbled himself, born of a virgin, take on the form of man. He served by proclaiming the year of the Lord. He helped by teaching a great many things leading to a life worth living. And then he laid down his life. Why? Because he thought it would be fun. No, because we, what? Needed it. He did it for who? For you and me. He served others. So when Paul tells the church... At Philippi, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves and to look not only to his own interests, but also the interests.